0: scary movie.
1: Fear is defined as a feeling of agitation caused by the presence or imminence of danger. Congratulations. You are so alive. Why do you think people believe in ghosts?
2: Mm. Yeah. For fun? Most people are so unwavering. I am so
3: sorry. To be alone. What do you want? to fun?
4: presence in the house with you. We can't hurt you if you don't believe.
0: I suggest you leave that house. Do it, Gordon. Do
4: what you do.
3: It's not even real.
4: Logan, what did you do? Charles, the world is not the same as it was. Mutants. They're gone now.
1: I hurt myself today to see
4: if I still feel I focus on the pain. The only thing that's real. What is she? Beneath the stain. She's like you of time. Very much like you. The feeling. Disappear. She needs our help. You are someone, someone to come along. Help. Someone has come along. I am still right here. And you could have it all. My empire.
5: To share a fun fact today uh, is when back today is the same day back in '87 when Nightmare on Street 3 Dream Warriors came out. And Mm -hmm. I was making the joke earlier oh, cool, Dream Warriors is nine months older than me. (laughs) Ew, Wade.
1: (laughs) All righty. So, welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are on Inside Movies Galore, episode number 56. Uh, And uh, uh, we are here in the room going to talk about James Mangold's Logan from 2017, this last year, that some of us believe to be the the best movie of the year, and some of us do not. So, uh, Brandon, why don't you give us a little bit of a lowdown on what you think that this film is about?
0: Uh, I think this is a film about coming of not coming of age, but just of getting older, of moving on in a society that no longer that no longer needs you. Society has moved on; yet you have been left behind. Um, the changing of the guard, so to speak. Uh, that's really where that what makes that film a such a strong film in my mind. Though I don't consider it the best film of twenty eighteen. Seventeen. Consider- or 17, yeah, whatever. Uh, but uh, it is definitely actually, yeah, Black Panther came out this year, so I can say it. I do
1: feel like this is the best comic book movie of 2017. Okay. And uh, when did you uh first uh see this film? Did you see it in the uh, movie theater or did you run out oh, to see it? Or I had to see it in
0: theaters, and then of course, I had to get the steel book of it. It was uh. It was oh, you got of, that? Yeah, well, actually I had to and then I missed it because it was one of those few that turned out to be rare. But I do, I do have a copy of it that I got for a small amount. But uh, to me, I felt like I heard some early stuff about it that's like, this is not going to be like the other Wolverine movies, which are terrible. Uh, this one actually yeah. is really good, and really different. And that, that brought me to this movie and uh, I was... I'm terribly impressed by, the, uh, by just the quality of the acting. Um, I really do feel like this was a good uh, swan song for the current Wolverine actor, though he might be coming back as a character. But I really think this should be his swan song for the character because it really was probably the best performance, and Patrick Stewart as well. I mean, this really was where everybody brought their A-game, acting, directing. Uh, it's just overall I thought that that was just uh, – uh one of the best comic book movies, especially in that franchise.
1: Okay. Um no kidding. Red Raven. Um uh is, how did you uh, was this your first time seeing the film?
4: Yeah, this was my first time seeing it.
1: Okay. You... And
4: I, I really liked it. I thought it was a really good movie. Um yeah. I guess I heard I don't know if this is I think this is true when it came out, um at the time, Disney didn't own the rights yet to Fox. Correct. And so they weren't able to use um, some of the characters from the original comic.
2: Okay.
4: And so that's why if you read the original comic, it's not all originally Taken, uh, the storyline isn't all originally from the comic. It doesn't match up to the comic, per se. Okay.
5: Yeah, it's based off of Old Man Logan, right?
4: Right, yeah. Not not at all, actually. Very loosely. Very I loosely, heard. yeah. But then later on, Disney ended up buying Fox. But this was after the movie was already made.
5: Yeah. We, we knew about the Disney Fox as soon as we get, like, Disney's Alien, that's when you know it's time to split your wrists.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So, so, um, so the. did you, uh, what did you, uh, find that, uh, uh was, uh, uh, what was your favorite scene of the, the, the film uh, that you would say?
4: Um, I can't really think of anything that um, I guess the scenes where, um, Laura, what was her, was her name was Laura? Yeah. yeah. X, um, X-23. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. X-23. When she first like, um, started attacking people and you didn't know that she was like a mutant yet. Like we, they didn't know that she was a mutant and she first started attacking everyone. I guess that was probably my favorite scene.
1: Okay. Um, Katie, um, was this a first time watch or a rewatch?
2: This was a rewatch for me. I had actually seen Logan in the theater. Okay. Um, so I, I picked up on a few things that I didn't the first time around and thought about it more. It was a movie that I enjoyed overall. I typically don't really care for the superhero movies, the comic book movies, not really my thing. But for a brief time back in the 90s, I did read some of the X-Men comics and was kind of into drawing them as a kid. So I knew I have a little bit of backstory about Wolverine, but probably, I mean, you don't need any for this movie for it to be impactful. But I think if I had more backstory on his character, um, it might have been more impactful for me. But there was other aspects of the movie that didn't really have anything necessarily to do with his character per se, but just generalizations that I liked, like how socially perceptive I thought it was. Um, Cause they touch on some some things that, you know, are issues for like this, the elder care of Professor X, how he's, you know, aging and getting so old and, and the role that Logan takes in caretaking for him. Um, that, and also the way that Uh, society treats the mutants and that real kind of um, discrimination that they still face and basically wipe it. They're they're entirely wiped out at this point anyway. It's So far into the future, there's hardly any left. Um, So I thought that was really neat. Just the social commentary on that type of stuff. And oh, and also I thought that um, Logan was kind of like that deadbeat dad kind of... um, figure I guess or you yeah. could see he really struggled to make that connection to who he knew was his daughter like because he was such a hopeless character he struggled really hard with that so those are some things I picked up that made this movie interesting to me okay. personally like I wouldn't typically um, like it for the like I said for the character aspect because I'm not that into the X-Men movies or I can't compare it to really any of the other X-Men movies Because I just haven't seen them. So, yeah, just looking at it as a standalone, you know, those are some of the things that jumped out at me. And I enjoyed that it was like a rated R thing. I mean, I've seen a lot of uh, the other comic book movies that have come out and stuff. My kid is really into them. Um, You know, my boyfriend's into them. So I end up watching them anyway. Um, But I enjoyed a movie like this much more, you know, no spandex tights, you know, suits, like it was grittier. And I, and I appreciated that.
1: Okay. Um, this is uh, apparently one of your favorites. Uh, why don't you uh, tell us when you first uh, uh, saw the film?
6: Well, I saw it in the theater um, back in April of last year. And uh, I had heard a lot of people saying that it was their favorite superhero film. And I was like, even even more than The Dark Knight, which people cannot shut up about. And I was like, well, that's pretty high praise. Wow. And uh, I saw it, and I was really blown away by it. And I thought it did live up to the hype. I it, When I said that it was my favorite, uh, or I said uh, Best of 2017, I said it was the best one that I saw. There's a lot, a lot of critically acclaimed films that I haven't seen from 2017, which is my own fault, um, kind of laying down the job. But um, I think it was the best movie 2017 that I saw. And it's my favorite superhero film that I've ever seen. I just, the level of uh, pathos, hard hitting drama, great character uh, st- moments, and violence that actually. Resonates and counts and the fact that it's a journey. It's a father-daughter story. It's a getting a getting older story you know, it just it hits on a lot of really great levels and It for me it worked in the same way that something like Breaking Bad works It actually reminded me a lot of Breaking Bad stylistically and in terms of its tone obviously completely different subject matter Um, And I'll also go on record saying that Wolverine is not at all a personal favorite character of mine um and yet i i thought this was utterly spectacular in every way i just it's the kind of film that i would love to make as far as something that carries a lot of weight and just is filled with really earned pathos
1: okay uh dustin uh was this a uh, a rewatch or a first time watch
5: so, I saw it for the first time last night, and then I watched it again today, and I was really impressed by it i mean i'd heard I'd heard a lot of high minded praise of the film, and it it really lived up to all the to how it was built uh like it was less of a superhero movie and more of a serious drama uh, and it worked very well as a drama like you could. You could not tell someone it's a superhero movie, and until Wolverine started stabbing people, which admittedly happens pretty quick, <laughs> uh, they'd be like, "Oh, all right, like uh, I'd agree with the comparison to the Dark Knight in how it sort of transcends its own genre. Uh, it,
6: it does, but this is still a superhero film that it's well, I'd say the difference is that this is like a hard this it's what a hard, greedy superhero film should be. I always got the sense with the Dark Knight trilogy that they were trying hard not to be superhero movies and try to get past the fact that they had a man dressed up as a bat and all that stuff instead of like really embracing it. With the X-Men, it's like you pretty much don't have any choice because your characters are mutants and they have powers. But that being said, this did ground itself in what every film, not just superhero films, every film should ground itself in, which is the characters.
5: Right, and uh, well, when it comes to the Dark Knight, at least I'm kind of ignoring Batman Begins and Dark Knight Rises, <laughs> um, yeah. because those two, the first and last films in that trilogy, didn't really do as good a job as the Dark Knight did with that theme. So well, that, I would...
6: that and the Dark Knight, just by the way it's written, is kind of, it's kind of the black sheep of that trilogy in the sense that what happens in the film doesn't have that much uh, that in, that affects the rest of the series. Um, and it does kind of thematically and even stylistically stand out from the other two.
5: Right, and it's... Well, in simpler terms, I would simply say it's just not as good as... Uh, I would say the other two aren't as good as The Dark Knight, but... Uh, back to Logan. Like I was really happy I saw Logan, and uh, shout out to the friend of mine who let me borrow his 4K copy, because that was nice.
1: Uh, Looking at uh, what um, the, uh, the director has come from, he uh, directed uh, Copland from uh, 1997, uh, Girl Interrupted from 1999, uh, Kate and Leopold from 2001, Walk the Line uh, from 2005, 310 to Yuma, from two thousand seven, Night and Day, which was kind of gay, um, uh, at least to me at the time. <laughs> uh, but um, um, you know, he, he, he also directed the Wolverine uh, standalone film before this. So, uh, so um, coming off the aspect of uh, of that story, I mean, some of us have seen it, some uh, not. Yeah. Myself. I, I come from, uh, I, I remember, uh, when the X-Men came out uh, as a cartoon and, uh, I watched the 1990s, you know, cartoon show about, uh, about it. And I remember when Jubilee came out and I remember collecting the X-Men uh, uh, trading cards. I remember when that was a fad. Oh yeah. Besides Pog. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Uh, I semi
1: missed some of that stuff. <laughs> like
5: I'd well, see an episode or two of the show here and there, but it was all—it would always be like part three of a ten-part story arc, well, and I'd have was no even, idea what's going this,
1: on. This was even before the X-Men films even existed. Uh, they, uh, yeah, they were, this was it, in the were, '90s. I, I, g- I
6: grew about. up on that show, and
1: they, they had marketing tools even before the X-Men um, films came out. So, uh, so yeah,
6: it, I remember
4: that too.
1: So, t- uh, to me. Growing up with that aspect of it, of it, I was already invested, <laughs> so uh, uh, somewhat to an extent. But my first time seeing Logan was not in the theater. I I did not want to go run out and see it uh, 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 see it. I wanted to see it on my own, so I did, and uh, I watched it with my fiance, which uh, could have been last summer, or or, or what uh, uh, what not uh, probably. Um, and uh, I did not like it at first. Uh, I thought it was depressing. I I thought I thought the kids would, were were way too young for what I was thinking. Because uh, I remembered on the show, on the cartoon show, uh, that uh, yeah, there there were characters that were younger, but they uh, they were more of a teenage, a teenage. Age.
6: Yeah, and, it depends, because like sometimes the mutation manifests during puberty, which is, of course, what furthers the metaphor. But then other the times, children
1: was, were never that young in the cartoon show, and I guess that's not the.
6: the well, <laughs> and there's the, there's been plenty of mutants that have been children. I mean, uh, the the uh yeah, a, you know, the but after the cartoon, children, after, the cartoon show, you know. Well, I I don't know. I think that's kind of a. Not, it doesn't, that argument doesn't really hold water if you know even that's just a the, weird if, complaint
3: i agree well
6: even if you know the movies let alone the comics in which you know there are plenty of uh mutants that are children and and it, it, even if you just look at the movie on its own merits um they were cloning children specifically to be killing machines so regardless they were trying to obviously bring out their um you know, killing instincts early, that said,
1: This time around, I understood it a little bit more. See, because uh, 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 what every time I see a movie, I, I like to watch it again before I get my uh, uh my total, you know, thoughts or, or whatnot. That's why I okay. don't think I've reviewed it myself yet on my own site. So it's it's more or less, you know, it wasn't one of those ones that I expect expected. And this time around, I was looking at. Um, um Patrick Stewart's character and uh, now I had actually seen uh, several films that um, he had been in reg- uh, uh, besides Star Trek and besides you know Lo- uh, Logan and whatnot And I I seem to remember uh, a one where he uh, where he played uh, in a movie called Safe House with Kimberly Williams back in the 90s and uh, he he played th- uh, there he was he used to be, Like some secret agent or whatnot, and he had this fail-safe machine that he always had to go and remember. Well, he was playing an aging man uh, who uh, uh, who was starting to develop Alzheimer's, Uh, but he, he, in order uh, to keep all the secrets that he had, he had to uh, he had to uh, go uh, go to this machine every uh, uh, time. But he. But he kept losing his mind, and and that, uh, me remembering this film kind of reminds me of his his role in this film, and uh, uh, the fact that he is an aging man, he is losing his uh, uh, capability to remember, even uh, the ability to breathe, you know, and that's what uh, and that's what I take uh, 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 from this, and hearing what Brandon said about the. Uh, the fact that th- uh, this is uh, this is about growing older and the changing of the guards. I can see that now. Uh, uh, you know, seeing the film after uh, after the fact and hearing what others talk uh, 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 say about it. It's not that. Well,
6: Go ahead. Well, let's uh, let's not let's not forget that um, it's a way. Uh, this film it does a lot of stuff that even the comics, as far as I know, hadn't touched on. Like, for example, like. Let's say that Professor X did grow old and did have some kind of mental trouble, whether it was Alzheimer's or whether it was dementia or something like that. And someone of his strength, you know, his powers of a mutant would be a severe danger to everyone around him, which this goes into. And let's not also forget that... uh, one of the things I found most interesting about the film is just the idea that the, um, because the whole arc of the, uh, the, at least the movies, if not comics, but the movies for sure kind of set this up, the idea that every however many years uh, a mutation leaps forward and then there's the next stage. Well, I kind of like the idea that maybe this wave of mutants Maybe their time is up, and it's no one's fault except nature. You know, maybe in fact they weren't able to last as long as was thought. Maybe they weren't the next stage of human evolution. Maybe they just were a failed mutation, literally, on, in the evolutionary sense. And in which like it reasons. just kind
5: of happened and petered
6: out. Yeah, basically, and um, and you kind of see the idea that not only are there very, very few mutants left, but the exploits of the X-Men, who of course were so feared and hated, that they now are not only celebrated in the world of comics, which I thought was really cool as a shout-out to the comics in the first place, but the fact that their exploits are being treated as if they were fictional, or rather these characters that who in the, that world really did exist, uh, they're being trivialized and fictionalized and you know, controlled, made into objects of folklore and all that. You know, so it's it's just interesting that despite being hated and despite being uh, almost eradicated by xenophobic humans, that in fact, they might have just been a failed mutation, and there's no one really to blame for it, and it's just kind of their time to bow out as a species. You know, it's just kind of, it's an interestingly uh, dispassionate approach to that, on top of just Wolverine himself getting older.
5: Well, they did make a comment on that, uh, like, the doctor was talking about how they found a way to basically not have mutants' genes activate so that they would become mutants. Mm-hmm. So it sounded like to me that there was never a problem with the mutants themselves. Like, mutants were still around, it's just their powers never manifested because of some overarching conspiracy to, like, tinker with their genetics. hmm
2: Well, they were talking that it was in the food. They kind of hinted at that, that it was, like, in the corn products that they were consuming, the corn syrup or whatever. Junk food was killing the mutants.
5: Well, it wasn't killing them. It was just, like, not turning their genes on. So I kind of wonder, now that that guy's dead, you know, what are we going to see happen? Oh,
2: I did want to add something that you made me think of, Dane, when you were talking about um, Mm -hmm. the mutants kind of being celebrated. And sort of becoming extinct and it sort of reminded me of some of the parallels to how Native Americans in this country are still sort of treated like these mascots, like these fictional characters that once existed and no longer do. Like, I saw that social parallel Mm -hmm. there um, with the mutants. Yeah,
6: there's there's that and then there's also like X-Men. Whether it's uh, Native Americans, whether it's it's any any group of people that is hated and despised, and then enough time goes by, and there's either few few enough of them to be trivialized and uh, kind of f- f- fictionalized, fetishized almost, or you know they're just a group of people who are still around, or and they just you know over the passage of time sort of grandfathers them into acceptance you know it's a it's well, a an social phenomenon
2: well i specifically saw the parallel with native americans in the you know when you think about the mutants being um fantasized and put into comic books and sort of um treated in that way i think i don't i don't see that with a lot of other um like other cultures that in this country especially we we fantasize the Native American, you know, like from what we see, those Hollywood images that we see. And it's like still we have major sports teams that will use Native American stereotypical imagery and, um, you know, offensive words to describe their teams. And it's like still these people being treated like um, like they no longer exist. Like it's okay to just um, – Make a comic book about them, and that's all they are, you know.
1: In, in a sense, uh, um, being a mutant is almost like be, uh, being a, a, of a different color race. Yeah. Well, right,
5: that's the that's, directly, that's yeah. a direct allegory. Right. Yeah, they, that was intentional. Yeah.
1: That, <laughs> that, 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 was, that always intentional has been all the, uh, the uh, Marvel or the X Men universe, and I think uh, I think it's kind of played both ways on on both sensibilities, and. Uh, I think that's why a lot of people uh, uh, gener- uh, 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 generate towards these um, stories of the X Men and uh, uh, people uh, with different dis- uh, different capabilities and uh, uh, whatnot. I mean, it would be really cool to be able to, you know, be a metal man or or uh, freeze people, you know, or. Or uh, uh, of that nature, and I think that's uh, uh, what people gain out of watching a superhero fi- uh, film is someone who can do something better than themselves and either save their uh, universe or try to condemn it.
6: <laughs> well, and like, also not what to if not to, was a strength, yeah. Well, and also not to mention the fact that um, race and my, you know minority differences that was always there. At the core of the X-Men from the very beginning during, you know, because the X-Men came into existence in a decade where, um, you know, Malcolm X and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. were both alive, both causing tremendous uh, ruckus and uproar in the social societies of the 60s South and just 60s America in general and you have yeah i think um that you know professor x was regarded as being sort of like martin luther king jr and um yeah which the funny part is that um both malcolm x and uh martin luther king they started to kind of come t- towards the middle before they both died and it's kind of like how um you know professor x and uh and Magneto both uh, start, and this happens in the comics at various stages too, that they kind of have alliances or where professor X dies at one point and asks Magneto to lead the X-Men or like in the movie adaptation of days of future past, you have them on the same side because they're being eradicated and that kind of stuff. uh, uh,
1: Probably to uh, go up against the greatest evil, uh, that type of thing. Yeah, of
6: course. And um so yeah, race and all that stuff is always at the heart of the X Men, no matter what. And um, the uh, the really interesting thing about Logan is that you have all that as a subtext, but then the theme of that film is about not only getting older but dying and learning to hold on to and care for something other than yourself, and exactly. really, well, and really understanding what does that mean because you can. You can say that, you know, oh, you learned to, you know, that's like, that's the classic loner story is it's Han Solo. It's the character who looks out for themselves and learns that there's something greater than them to fight for and all that stuff. Except that in here, it's his own daughter, in in effect. It's um, someone who, by all accounts, should not be a parent and yet is in that position and realizes that he, for the first time, can feel real love. Even beyond the love of his old teammates, uh, which even then it was it's not quite the same thing and uh so uh what do you yeah think? that
5: was, um, was that saying? was one of the conscious themes. that was one of the things that they talked about in the commentary where they're trying to figure out um what do they have like what would scare logan like uh-huh. uh, what would be a challenge what would be a challenge for him, and like learning to love other people was mm-hmm. what they went with, and they did a great job with it.
6: Absolutely. Well, I think that that's a very relatable theme because, I mean, we most people don't have children of their own flesh and blood dumped on their doorstep, you know, without them expecting it or knowing about it or anything like that. But, But there are a lot of people who have children that they planned on having, and yet they're obviously not ready to be parents. They got a lot of living yet to do and yet they have a kid, and yet they have their own interests, and yet they maybe have a dire family situation, you know, all these different things. And it's sort of how does how does that person learn how to love? You know, maybe they didn't have a family of their own. Maybe they didn't know what love was and that sort of thing. And so it's I think that's another reason why people would relate to it on top of the fact that uh, I, I'm a, just background, I'm a huge fan of violence in films. Not really necessarily uh, violence that is just there for its own sake because after a while that can get kind of boring. But I think whenever you know how to whenever you use violence right in a story, it can be some of the most powerful things that you can put on film. And I feel like this movie got that because it, it it had exciting action when it needed to be. But even within that, every single uh, act of violence carried a lot of weight. Kind of like a samurai film. And hmm.
5: uh, You could you say know, that, yeah.
6: Definitely. And uh, so that is always, like, the classical, at least, mo- well, not classical, the modern master of that is Mel Gibson, because his movies are extremely violent, but every act of violence carries a lot of weight. I uh, saw
5: Apocalypto last week. Yeah. Um <laughs> oh. I, would, I, would I love that movie. Somewhat, I would somewhat <laughs> disagree with that assessment, because well, uh, well, a lot not, of the stuff in a lot of the stuff in Apocalypse felt openly gratuitous.
6: Well, uh, I don't. I wouldn't necessarily agree there because he's trying to portray a society that has literally cannibalized itself, uh, and where violence is a matter of day to day life, not only in terms of surviving but in terms of trying to come up with an answer for why their society is dying. And, you know, and the Mayans were very, very violent people, you know, as evidenced by the, um, the human sacrifice and that sort of thing. So I, I don't know if I would necessarily agree with that. I think it's just kind of a matter of history for their people specifically and for the human, for larger, you know, a larger implication of the human race in general.
1: But, I would that, uh, Mel Gibson is more of a visual, uh, uh, director, um, as, as far as uh, showing some of the violence, uh, 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 yeah, without, sho- without showing it.
6: Well, he he <laughs> he tends to treat violence not only with each act of violence carrying some kind of really important weight in the story, but each. Uh, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of the term the aesthetic, aesthetic, aesthetic. You well, know, the the, the aestheticism? aesthetic aestheticism. Yes, yes, that is aesthetic, whatever. In, in other words, you make violence appealing to the senses, and yeah. I, I think he's a master of knowing how to do that. And I do think James Mangold did that well here. Except I think that Mel Gibson tends to be a bit more lyrical in his, uh, yeah, in his approach, especially in something like The Passion of the Christ, where there's a lot of slow motion and every everything is treated. In a way, sort of like a ballet of pain. In a way, um, I guess they're out. making
4: a Passion of the Christ too. <laughs> the word <laughs> on it,
5: what what's gonna happen in Passion of the Christ too? Did he does he like get off the cross and like <laughs> kick some ass? Like what is
0: this? This time like, you make a the a The <laughs> <laughs> over
1: with Hellraiser. Like, yes. What happens? Yeah.
0: I mean, in
6: a journey. Oh, I and I feel like this movie got that as. Much Within the context of the superhero film, um, because it does have really great action, but it's not each action—not just every violent action—but each action propels the story forward and is treated like um, like its own special event. You know,
5: no, yeah, that was um, that was something they mentioned in the commentary. They said they were really freed up by the R rating. Not just not, and they said that when people think of the R rating, that everyone always assumed it was because oh, you can be more violent, you can show this, you can show that. Uh, they said that the real thing that they were excited about was being open to having like more adult like conversations and content, like being able to deal with those themes of like death and aging in a way yeah. that they wouldn't be able to have the pacing or uh, room or latitude if it was like a movie that was geared more for children so and that's
6: that's survival. and that's also why i loved as far as like the r-rated superhero film which technically uh deadpool came one year before that and everyone was like oh it's a new thing no it's not the crow did that you know the sin no. city's not superhero but comic book that movie did that uh 300 did that all these other movies uh whatever that was uh uh dark man did that you know, there's a ton of other ones but with Deadpool, that was a movie where I felt like the R rating was really just there to kind of, and I know Deadpool, the characters like this, it's just like, it's there to be kind of smart ass and to be, um, you know, to really be gratuitous, but in a kind of tongue in cheek kind of way, which is, you know, it's good in its doses. I, I don't really like Deadpool as a character that much, but. Yeah, it is good and it's justice, but like you said, I think that when your R rating goes towards the real things that make a story work, which are the themes, then that's really what makes a great film. And you know, the violence goes along with that oftentimes, but that—that's why I wanted to distinguish. Uh, the
1: two. will come out in the same year. Uh, Yeah,
5: yeah, I think it came out like a month or two either. Nope. I think it was like, didn't Deadpool come out February and Logan come out in March?
6: Nope. Deadpool came
0: out in 2016. Yeah. I was thinking Deadpool came out the previous year. Oh, yeah. it did? Yep. It came out. Yeah. Early well, year. goddamn. Um, the, uh, actually I think that's one of the factors that they, that made them certain that the R could work, but, uh, I wanted to go back to one of the themes, uh, uh for, I felt like it, it kind of got left behind and went to lose on that, uh, which was the uh, theme of the uh, samurai. Uh, mm-hmm. we were talking about weaving of violence. And uh, there were two themes, and we had talked about this a little bit last week about a Western theme and a samurai theme, the the Lone hero. It's very similar, of course, in both genres, as you get to see with the similarities where you see the similarities from the Spaghetti Westerns to uh, Kurosawa. Other than the Spaghetti Westerns, a lot of them copy Kurosawa. Uh, but the uh, Wolverine has always been associated with that culture, with the uh, samurai culture as a ronin. Um, somebody with his own odd but definite def- definitive honor system, always on, always on his own, always carrying his own weight upon his shoulders, Either looking at him as that definitive uh, samurai character, or uh, without a master, or looking at him as that as that lone cowboy uh, a la Clint Eastwood's uh, man with no name type character. Uh, those are really how the character is presented. Oh, also wanted to let you all know that despite my uh, uh, praise for it, Wolverine was actually one of my least favorite comic book characters. Uh, yeah. Which uh, I, which for me to actually praise the character that much in this particular uh, <laughs> takes a
6: lot for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought he was a very over like he has a lot to him, but I always thought he was very he was too popular, and I thought he was very overrated as a character. But I will contend I think he's a much better character than Deadpool. Um, <laughs>
5: damn that hurt. Uh, I was gonna. I was just gonna say that. Uh, My favorite thing about Wolverine, at least before I'd seen this movie, uh, was how he was responsible for us getting Lobo. (laughs)
3: uh,
5: Lobo is a parody of Wolverine done by DC, who... He's kind of like Wolverine crossed with Deadpool. He's kind of wonderful in every way.
6: (laughs) I I like Lobo as a parody character, because those kind of characters can get kind of old, and that's, I guess, why I think Lobo works, because he is ultimately a parody of those kind of characters.
5: And, like, he knows what he is, too. And yeah. they always have they always have fun with him. Like, uh, there was a really insane series of comics that came out. It was Looney Tunes crossovers with DC. However, they were done, like, dead serious, like, draw the Looney Tunes characters as real characters and give them real stories. <laughs> and, um uh, this particular crossover was, um, it was like Lobo and Wily e. Coyote. So it's hard to summarize because it's so bizarre. But <laughs> essentially, it gives it gives like some it gives like a backstory to like the coyote and the road. Dilemma. Like they're both like escapees from some lab, and somehow Lobo runs into the coyote. Like Lobo is coming to Earth to like. Deuce, is on his way to go do to go kill somebody, and the coyote As really wants did. to kill the really wants to kill the roadrunner, and so they do like a strangers on the train thing. It's like okay, I'll go kill your roadrunner. You go kill this guy, uh, <laughs> and the roadrunner manages to get Lobo to kill himself a few times before Lobo gives up, uh, and Wiley Coyote ends up. Uh, turns out he was sent to kill like a Green Lantern, and so he's just on oa getting like his ass beat and in the resolution of the story they're like you know you're pretty tough like you want to stay and become a lantern it's like i'm too old um i've got stuff to do and it it ends with while wily coyote was there he stole a green lantern ring and he's gonna go after the (laughs) roadrunner with that uh they these are you have to read them to believe them like but they're all really fucking good there's like a no, there's like a detective noir story with Elmer Fudd and Batman that eh. you wouldn't believe turns out so well uh there's a jonah hex Jonah hex and Yosemite Sam like do a thing, and it's honestly pretty fucking good it's like I hate westerns read this okay, this was a cool western so <laughs> it just makes me think of uh the stuff like that like how you can explore comic different themes in comics. Okay. Um, even with something so silly as like Looney Tunes characters, as long as you treat the material with respect, which is what we really saw in this. Like they took everything dead serious. There were no like really cute moments aside from like the little kid, like picking out clothes, which, you know, that's fine. You know, you need some moments of levity in there.
0: Well, I think treating the material with respect uh, touches on something that was mentioned earlier about. When you're talking about like people not necessarily being the the, uh age that they were or that they reflected a lot in the comics that actually was something that and i'll admit that used to play a huge part because i was a big i I was a big into comics from the 80s up until the early 2000s when i said okay it's too expensive i'm off um but uh the the fact is after the first x-men movie And to this day, I cannot bring myself to fully like the first X-Men movie because I was hoping for something that would be true to the comics. And I almost felt like it was a spit in the eye of the comics when I originally saw it. Since then, I've managed to look at it and say, okay, well, they're not going to make it true to the comics. When you look at some of the characters, like they had Richter as one of the little kids, uh, and some other ones that would have been, like, New Mutants or X-Force members in the comic books. Um, it's, uh, but, you know, some of those things, uh, when you <laughs> you got to kind of say, you know what, this is not going to follow any continuity from the comics, or just going to pay a slight homage to it. Um, yeah, it'll be characters from the comics. comics-
1: yeah. Well, I kind of almost have to go into these movies watching it, uh, them with a blank mind. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you have to understand
6: that it's an adaptation and it's not, you know, not only that, but even if they do a specific story like Days of Future Past or like, um, you know, like the Dark Knight trilogy, those are based on a lot of clear, you know, or, like, stuff, you know. or like the
5: Dark Knight Returns, like the animated version they did.
6: That or even like Batman v Superman, which takes a lot of inspiration from certain elements. Of so Dark Knight, Dark Knight returns. returns. Yeah. They just
5: managed to totally fuck yeah. every aspect of it
0: and get it wrong and <laughs> bad. See, that's what makes the DC animated universe very different from the, uh, from the Marvel. Action. so The animated universe is much truer to the comics and the source material, whereas the uh, movies is more true, especially in the DC universe. Is it's more true to uh, the executives and the uh, pr- and the planners uh, that are trying to find out? Uh, I really think that Logan got that gritty level that DC had been trying to reach for over and over again, mm-hmm. and kept failing since Dark Knight.
6: <laughs> well, and, and, and I would I would even argue even with Dark Knight, I felt like that series and that film in particular was trying so hard to be gritty, so trying so hard to be realistic, trying so hard to be, kind of have this strange, kind of poeticism in the dialogue and stuff, that it, it it takes itself to such a serious degree that it comes off as kind of silly in certain aspects when it doesn't mean to. Which is where something like Logan, to me, really shines because it is serious, but it doesn't ever get too wrapped up in its own seriousness. It just does what it does and that to me is the best way to do it because i felt especially with the dark knight like they really got wrapped up in their own specialness and in their own poeticism to a degree that i was like okay this is kind of detracting from the themes a little bit um as opposed to logan which didn't really have to try it just did you know it just did the story so if they make
4: another Another movie after this, Laura could potentially be the next Wolverine if they decide to follow the comic.
6: Well, if they if they decided to keep that storyline going, yeah. Because I know that uh, there. I mean, there are going to be more X Men movies, obviously. I just know that if uh, you do establish a series chronology, that this would be at the end, at least the end of what is you know currently on the yeah. book. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I thought this
5: would have been a perfect place to end the continuity because yeah. since since Disney has the X-Men now, I feel like they're going to want to do their own completely different thing with it. Uh, so if this had to be the last X-Men movie in that old continuity set out by Fox, then I think they came, went out on the best possible note.
6: Yeah.
1: Yes. <laughs> like, I think they'll eventually return to the X Men uh, storyline, except uh, I think it'll it'll be more of a reboot to try. Exactly, uh, try, that's what they're gonna do. Uh, try uh, try to reboot the series in some way, just like they did the uh, Spider Man uh, mm-hmm. series after a, a Andrew Garfield's uh, uh, mishap or what what uh, what not or. Uh, well, you know, Hugh
4: Jackman's is pretty much done now, right? I mean, that was his last yeah. movie with them, right?
1: Uh-huh. Well, uh, supposedly there's twittering going on about whether he's returning or not. Uh, right, oh, really?
6: Yeah, there's there's been some chatter back and forth, um, and uh, we'll we'll see what ultimately happens.
1: Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, I know that Lo- uh, I know that Hugh Jackman himself has said, has said that he really does not want to come back. Uh, come back. He really didn't want to come back as Logan. Uh, well, yeah. he uh, he killed it though,
5: so I mean, I can see why he wouldn't want to. You can't go anywhere else with the character after that performance.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't think you he he could he either. Could come back as an as an Avenger, I think.
6: Well, t- he t- said t- if if
2: Sorry. they made that happen, but it sounds like they would. They won't make. They won't do the Avenger thing and have Wolverine be an Avenger. But he said he'd come back for that.
6: Two things that I wanted to talk about recently were. Um, the fact that Logan is the first uh, superhero film to ever be nominated for any of the screenplay Oscars, which is a big deal. Not even a Dark Knight was in there uh, for that, for each year. Um, so yeah. that's, that's, I think, a big uh, step forward for the genre in terms of achieving legitimacy. But one thing I kind of knew was going to happen, but I was still kind of niffed about it, was the fact that the. Um, person who played x23 i forget her name but she i thought she was utterly spectacular and i was like please academy don't forget about her and i totally knew that they would but i uh she blew it away i thought that she did an exceptional job and is someone to watch out for um as she grows up because whenever you see not only great acting talent but great acting talent from young people it has to be acknowledged and fostered and, you know, given a praise. The, hard,
1: the hardest thing is wh- when you're a child star, uh, 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 oftentimes when they hit the teenage years, uh, uh, that's when they, uh, uh, the studios tend to forget about them. I mean, l- look what mm-hmm. happened to Shirley Temple. Yeah. It uh, just
6: depends ago. on if they can evolve or not. You know, sometimes they can, sometimes they can't. I mean, and, uh, uh,
1: look at where the, uh, uh, the young kid who pl- played in... Um, um, uh, what, what uh, was it? M Night Schimmelman's the uh, Sixth uh, Sense. The Sixth Sense. Yeah, uh, he, he is now, and he, I mean, he did. Uh, he got into, into some drug problems. You know, it was
6: just kind of chaotic for a little bit. <laughs> yeah,
0: look what happened to Anakin in uh, Star Wars. <laughs> oh awesome. yeah,
6: uh, <laughs> yeah. Jake Lloyd, he got really messed up. Um, I mean, that could be a whole episode about. Child hopefully hopefully walk, his know.
5: giant piles of money, like, helped in some way.
0: Well, the Academy doesn't really uh, look at child stars in a serious note. It takes quite a bit. I think the last time we had one, uh, the last times I saw any of them mentioned, there was the one from True Grit. They gave her a supporting actress nod.
6: Her name uh, was Haley Steinfeld. Yeah, but she was, like, 14, but then, yeah. like, then they so, gave uh abigail breslin when she yeah. was oh old. yeah the little miss sunshine yeah, yeah they gave one to her when she was really young and, and was, then gosh um, what was the movie the well, one Haley Joe Osment got nominated when he was a kid and uh there yeah the, oh, oh, the, the youngest one ever was the kid from um uh beast of the southern wild
0: that's what i was thinking of i was going to say that one with the with the floods that actually uh was also a great uh performance but again all spectacular performances but uh being being in the genre of comic books has always been especially superhero comic books has always been looked at as a mockery by uh those who can who look at things you know with great art uh,
6: which is always hilarious that the academy likes to put themselves on that level and yet, yeah. nowadays, uh, superhero films are the thing that's keeping Hollywood afloat, and uh, <laughs> so it's like you would think that they would want to, like, you know, pay attention, uh, pay not only pay attention, but you know, treat these guys with respect and make them feel like royalty because they are the, you know, the one genre that's keeping things alive. Like and, I have and, I have mentioned a- the fact that uh, you know. Warner Brothers tried really hard to get the best picture campaign going for Wonder Woman, which unfortunately didn't go anywhere. Um, But, uh, and you look at the boundaries and the barriers that uh, Black Panther is breaking down right now, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, you know, guess what, guys? Not only financially does this genre keep you guys alive and pay, you know, puts money in your stuff, but. it really can be great art and it can mean something to people and just it sure meant a lot to me back when i was a kid before there were multi-billion dollar you know grossing films featuring these characters they meant a whole lot me, and a lot to generations of people who grew up reading them just on the pages and uh yeah there's something to be said for that and it just uh i don't know i i do think that whenever that people like to set themselves up for standard that's kind of unfair and impossible to meet then you do really discredit a lot of uh, great art that comes from a genre that you just happen to not understand
0: well actually i'm hoping one day to see the three great snubs uh, that usually uh, happen uh, horror uh, superheroes and uh, animation uh, to eventually become fully seriously and they are gaining some ground i mean shoot Get out, for instance, is uh, though it's you know kind of more artistic on that line, but it is horror and it's got a,
6: it's got a lot of nominations this year, mm-hmm. which, which I was pleased with. Yeah, yeah I, 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 still, I still I still got to see it. I am um, disappointed that I haven't. It's I quite still good.
1: have it myself to, uh, uh, too, but um, I know that I have a copy of it so, uh, 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 somewhere. So if I want, bought the uh,
5: I bought the Target Steel book because I wanted to hear the commentary.
6: but and then the other thing um the academy while we're on that subject the academy used to have a uh category for they would have to change the name these days but they used to be best juvenile performance um Hmm. and uh it they didn't do that many of them i think i can only think of like two instances where they did that or i may be wrong but I feel like that really should become an award just because oh, yeah. it seems a little silly to me to put, well, to, well, first of all, to put uh, children in the same category as adults, number one, and then number two, uh, if you're not going to do that, if you're not going to put them in the same category as adults, then mm-hmm. you need to recognize them for their own efforts. Cause they're, you know, for the, for the child actors that are out there, you know, you got to, got to recognize them
0: well it's just like the baftas they have that award for the uh like best newcomer which i think that's actually a, a great award even though i was sad to see that uh gosh what was her name from twilight um
6: Kristen stewart yeah getting that award that one year <laughs> well, apparently she's come a long way as far yeah, as um, got it for twilight acting talent you know it's <laughs> i I always kind of got the sense that uh the actors involved with that were better than the material that they were given and that that often does happen where i think that's the same thing like the 50 shades of gray cast kind of realizes that you know uh that this isn't really a true test of their abilities um and that happens sometimes
0: no no it's the the 50 shades it's high art they're just not doing it right
6: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but You see what I mean? Like, there are certain things that like, like, I mean, Anthony Hopkins was in the latest Transformers, which the critics love to d- deride and say that that's not high art or that's not whatever, you know, but they were in that. And like, if we're talking about superheroes, a lot of really, really accomplished um, stage actors and, you know, established film actors and that stuff would appear on the 60s Batman series, which was nowadays a lot of fanboys love to decry that as camp or whatever, or bad or whatever, but they loved it. You know, they love going on that show. So it just, um...
5: Uh, a uh, A lot of the modern sensibilities are so strange. I mean, I have that problem with some of my friends. Um... It's like, oh, let's watch this, you know, classic horror movie that everyone loves, and it's like, ugh, you know, it only got two stars on Netflix. It must be garbage. It's mm-hmm. Hellraiser, like it's good. Dude, trust me.
6: Uh-huh. It's like, you know, or do, like do, they do just we, hate, do we really live in the era like, of, uh-huh. Do we just do we do we live in the era now where something like Hellraiser is considered a classic, even though it's only thirty years old?
3: Yeah
6: yeah I mean, like a, i guess i mo- i guess i would still lump that in the category of like modern classic or something but i don't know uh when i think a classic i think of way older than that but
5: well it's it's roughly as old as i am i guess yeah. but
1: yeah. I, I i i consider it exactly like uh, how, how we treat cars anything that's 10 years or older is, is classic. <laughs>
6: well pe- people have a prejudice against black and white. So I'll I'll go you know further than that. Any any movie that's in black and white people don't want to watch it, which I think is ludicrous. And I give jo- I give George Miller and I give James Mangold <laughs> a lot of credit for Mad Max Fury Road and Logan both having yeah, black are. and white versions uh on uh, home video and I'm like, "Yes, thank you." Yeah, for I didn't
5: I didn't have time to see Logan Noir. Um, how much did that? How much did that enhance the experience?
6: I haven't watched it yet in black and white. I do want to. Um, same with I don't have uh, Mad Max Fury Road Black and Chrome Edition. I don't have that one yet, but um, I, can, I can I can see it a lot better with Logan than I can with Mad Max. Even though I know George Miller always envisioned Fury Road as being a black and white film, except that that film is so colorful that to me kind of seems like it's meant to be colorful, but I could be wrong. Uh, but it does have a lot of the same palette. It does, but and, um, even though it is, the theatrical releases of both of those are in color, you can kind of see, well, certainly not only thematically, but in the sense of like, even with Mad Max, where uh, it's in color, but the, the uh, color palettes are so, you've heard of the the teal and orange, Thing where the reason why people do that is because orange and teal are on the opposite ends of the color wheel, and so naturally, because they're on the opposite ends, they pop a lot better because they don't blend in with each other as well, and um, can thank. That's my favorite thing to do with color. (laughs) Thank Michael Bay for being on the forefront of that, just because um, with Transformers, which is a very like visually heavy film series that requires a lot of things to pop then you know i think that was one of the earliest modern films to do that and, and there's been plenty Which of well, there's there been a lot of the, other films weren't that
1: there two more transformers uh, green lighted still that uh, that uh, still to come or something like yeah, that yeah there's
6: there's more of course there's more <laughs> but, but the thing is like you know the, the, there have been artists you know for a long time that have thought about ways to make certain colors pop and with both logan and mad max figure road you even though they're in color you can see that they're thinking about ways to make those colors pop and then if you desaturate then they would still pop in a different way they wouldn't just wash out and that to me is what i love about black and white is the high level of contrast that you get so that makes the whole thing the whole frame really pop and I, i i love frames that come alive because of the contrast because of the especially if you use a lot of light then I don't know that that always gets me excited
1: okay so uh, is there anything else that anyone wants to uh, add to uh, this whole mix or do you think that uh, we have covered this as a?
5: did anybody have uh, did we already do favorite scenes
1: if you want to go ahead and say your favorite scene uh, you're more than welcome to
5: Well, it's it's somewhat difficult to pick, but I think ooh, I think what I prefer is the the way they open the movie, mm-hmm. like they show just they they set the tone right away.
1: Yeah, he's fuck. Um, he wakes up and he's like, hey, "Guys,
5: uh, you're gonna
1: you're you're gonna strip the dance," you know. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Well, they immediately go into like, what's the tone of this movie going to be? And it's like a down, it's like a low kind of, it's like, it's a low tone. Uh, like he's you know, passed out in the back of his truck, you know, somebody's truck, in the back of his limo. Like, and he's just like, he's just tired. Like he doesn't want to like kill these guys, but like, yeah, as my train of thought just goes right off that cliff.
6: <laughs> I liked all the. I honestly liked all the small moments. So like, all the conversations he has with X twenty three.
2: Um,
6: I love the very first times that we see Professor X in his decrepit state. Um, just kind of the flow of life. I really like. Oh, him. All that, that stuff it. is. Well, you all said. that stuff is very sad to me, and I. I don't know I. I'm also very attracted to sadness in film, and. um that was it. Was very sad. It was very um, well, it, well. It made you feel sad to see Professor X, this noble, wise leader of the X Men, for so many years, just absolutely rock bottom. I, I did like hearing him swear, which I thought was really funny. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, even so, oh, yeah, it, you, you snapped.
5: You snapped me back into it. By the way, uh, I do remember my favorite scene now. It was when they first approached. Uh, Laura in the compound, it's like yeah. all these like big muscly guys are just like going to try and <laughs> like subdue her, and it's like, okay, what's gonna happen? Like they've been teasing that she's gonna that she can do stuff for a while. What's it gonna be? And then it cuts to the outside, and you just hear like screams and gunfire, and I was like, oh my shit.
6: Good <laughs> attention to detail with the fact that her claws are bone, because she ha- she wasn't part of the Weapon X project and. Didn't have her whole skeleton laced with adamantium, and
5: well, she did actually. Uh, they mentioned that they gave her the same augments.
6: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I forgot about that, but, uh... Uh,
5: that's another cool thing. Did you notice on uh, Did you notice on Logan's claws that the tips were kind of worn down, like and sheared uh-huh. off, like from use? Yeah. And then, if you paid really close attention to X twenty four, like his claws were like pristine and new, like they were in the last movie.
6: Oh yeah, well, and um, I really liked how they explained why she had two on her hand, two claws on her hands, and one, one claw in, in each of her feet, which I thought that was really cool.
5: That was a pretty cool biology moment too. I liked that.
6: I honestly wondered that whenever I would see her um, I was like, well, I know that they wanted her to be different, but I was like, why two? And you know that that explained it, cause I hadn't actually read a comic with her in it. That was more of like a. I was more like 70s X Men. That was kind of what I grew up on. Um, but uh, I, I really liked her characterization. She and, uh, you know, it's funny. She and uh, Eleven in Stranger Things are not that far apart from each other. Um, yeah, know, they kind they of remind me of the same
2: person. Well, then, yeah. They're, they're of the same archetype. They're both mute for quite a while and don't speak. And I think that lends itself to the power of their acting and, and their character has to have a voice without having a voice. So well, and, I and see I love, that.
6: I love that. I love when characters don't have to speak uh, unless necessary just because good actors, they can communicate everything that they need.
1: See, I don't Actually, always think that uh, not speaking is always a good thing. Wasn't because she speaking then,
4: Mexican at one point?
1: Yeah, she was Spanish.
4: Spanish. Yeah, Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to say it like that.
1: <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> yeah, she was speaking uh, Espanol.
2: Well, of course. She was basically raised in Mexico. So that's why she was Spanish speaking. Um, but then you can see she also has some English kind of well, in there, which. I was wondering how that works.
1: <laughs> I actually think she kind of learned her English through... Uh, being Paying able, attention through, to them, yeah. Through, through um, her relationship with uh, Professor X. Because
6: he had... Yeah, I
2: wondered, did he telepathically a... communicate with her? Well, I, I really, <laughs> he said really love times.
6: I love their relationship just because she's essentially uh, cast out. And Not valued by anyone least of all her own father at least through most of it Uh, and Professor X has largely been cast out of what he used to be which is obviously the head of professor Xavier uh, the Xavier school for gifted youngsters and uh, It's uh, it's just so nice that they kind of find each other and are able to talk in a way that uh, They can understand and that they can communicate with and then through that, uh, Wolverine is able to, you know, find his heart that he never knew he had.
0: Actually, one of the powerful, most of the powerful scenes I thought were with uh, Patrick Stewart uh, towards, especially towards the end, where you see that he has uh, this moment of clarity, and some of the blocks are gone at least temporarily, and then he realizes the weight of everything that has happened to him in the past, without giving any major spoilers, that's about all I'm going to say. But uh, just the performance, the power of that, the asking of forgiveness where he breaks down, that is, uh, to me, one of the most powerful scenes in that film. I have
1: to agree. I Uh, have to agree. And and, uh, the other powerful moment is when when, um, Logan is looking up into her, her eyes as he's about to die and he says oh that's what it feels like uh, yeah uh, i remember
5: that like that had so much ah oh, man i almost uh, cried at that like it had so much meaning it's like, like he's I killed so it. many people And
1: i was trying to figure out whether he meant, been, he's well he's whether he meant the yeah. love that uh, that he was feeling for her in that moment or whether he meant uh the feeling what it's like to die
6: it could well, have kind, meant all kind of those of, things. Kind of it, was, well, it, it was not, meant to be all open. It, but it's well, it's kind of all those things plus what it feels like to be loved. Not only to feel well, it's not only to feel loved, but to be loved and know how that feels. Because um, it's a little bit like the Wizard of Oz. It's like, and remember, my friend, and a heart is not measured by how much you love, but by how much you are loved by others. Which, which, when you if you analyze that too much, that can be a little dubious because you know, celebrities are loved all the time and they might not love anyone, you know. But it's like, uh you, you get the point. The point is that, you know, the amount that you receive back is often indicative of that which you put in. And I think that's when he realizes just what love really means and what family even is, you know. Um And it's a great statement, stated really beautifully and powerfully. Yeah.
5: Now- the uh, the first imp- interpretation of that I had was that he's been effectively immortal for so long, and now that he's dying, it was just like, so this is what it's like because he's um, killed so many people and has so many things in his past that he regrets when it comes to violence.
6: Well, as much and as he so can remember.
5: Well, right, um, and well, he's on point. he's on the own he's on the receiving end of well himself like he's essentially killed by his dark self.
6: Mhm. Yeah, he is and by being killed by his dark self his his anger, the the berserker rage inside literally manifests and uh you know he's able to uh purge himself of that darkness in order to fully embrace love and then die peacefully.
5: Yeah, literally per literally by his daughter too cuz she shoots him. Mhm. And so there's just like so much symbolism in it.
6: And like, I, I love I love symbolic stories like that. Like
5: at the at the end when she like changes the cross to an X. Like if they had uh-huh. played if they had played hurt over the credits, like right then and there, I would have cried my eyes out. Like oh, I'm my glad God. that they didn't
6: because they just let that moment play out. Just they let the weight of the moment carry it. They didn't need to artificially enforce it in any way. Um, they
5: played something hopeful instead. Yeah.
6: yeah. Well, and that can be a great counterpoint too um when you do that um and i have to say also that uh again talking about a movie just letting its themes play out naturally one of the things that sounds really pretty when you read it on the page or if you see actors recite it well was like what the dark knight was doing where they literally and explicitly state the themes of the film out loud as opposed to With Logan, it it is all driven by story, by character, by characters speaking and behaving believably, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that's just a way to get your point across in a way that resonates more. Okay. Well,
1: I think that's all the time that we have for today, folks. So uh, why don't we start with uh, uh, Brandon? Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and what you do?
0: Uh, Yes, my name is Brandon. I uh, run a uh, YouTube page called uh, Septum send versus The World. Uh, We are all about physical media and uh, all about the, uh, well, mostly about the movies. Uh, We do reviews. Um, Matter of fact, uh, we are currently working now on not just having the reviews I am doing, but uh, uh, my, uh, uh, what's the word, Uh, person working with me on the site, he uh, also is going to be doing some reviews soon. And uh, we also are in a big rush these last uh, couple weeks because Sunday is the Academy Awards, and for us, that's a huge uh, season. So uh, we're going to be doing an analysis. It's already filmed. I just got to finish editing, and edit, editing it, and that will be up by the end of the week. And starting next week, we will be doing our analysis of the winners and, and the Razzie winners, too, to kind of offset all of the art scene
6: which, cool. Quick quick side note, the Razzies, what little credibility that they had, they just threw it out the window when they nominated Darren Aronofsky and uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem and all that stuff. It's like, just because you didn't get it doesn't mean it's bad, in reference to Mother. <laughs> and I, I really don't think that the Razzie people know anything more than uh, the Oscar people do, necessarily. <laughs> uh, speaking
1: of day uh, uh, speaking to Dane uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you uh, you're from
6: um, well I'm Dane Kyle independent filmmaker from Charlotte North Carolina I'm proud to say that my latest short film The Big Blind is finally done Oh yes thank you um, yes, it's finally done so I'll be be I'll be able to get that submitted to festivals and see how it does. That's a uh a film noir, my own film noir throwback, as well as somewhat of a David Lynch homage. Um and uh so that's happening. I uh d- the proceedings for a film that I submitted for one horror anthology film. Those are all completely done. I finished the -the behind-the-scenes documentary, sent it off. They still need to add me on IMDb so I can talk about it and promote it. But uh, that is done. So that's another project done. And then got a web series going on, fan film, uh, another horror short for a different horror anthology. Stay tuned for all of that. It's going to be quite an exciting year. But that, that was like the big, big thing was that that project, after two years in the making, is finally done.
1: <laughs> All righty. Uh, Katie, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do?
2: Sure. I'm Katie Cadaver from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I am a horror artist and body positive alternative model. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Third Eye Open. That's 3RD. E Y E Zero P-E-N. I'm also the makeup artist for horror punk band Rat Bat Spider. You can find them at ratbatspider.bandcamp.com. And I'm a dead girl for Deggers Dark Coffin Classics horror TV show. And you can find Dedger's Dark Coffin Classics at Vimeo.com slash ddcc. And I'm also a performer and producer for Grindhouse Tees Burlesque Productions. And we are getting ready for a show coming up on April 28th, where we're going to have some awesome burlesque and some punk bands playing Um, slaughter party is going to be celebrating the release of their psychos in love CD that's coming out. So we got a big party planned for that. And you can find more information about grindhouse teas on Facebook, facebook.com slash grindhouse teas. Cool.
1: Uh, Red Raven, why don't you uh, tell us a little little bit about what you do, where you're from?
4: I'm Red Raven, and I'm from uh, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, and I book shows in the Milwaukee area, and I also work for uh, Dead Girl's Dark Coffin Classics. I'm a dead girl.
1: Awesome. And uh, do you have any uh, promotional things that you're uh, doing with uh, the band stuff yet, or...?
4: uh that that'll be coming up this spring okay i have been working with dead Dark start coffin classes i've been on like the last couple episodes if you've been watching them they're on uh V-Mall, like katie said okay
1: cool um dustin why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself what you do i do what now uh right now i'm killing
5: people in front of the 13th uh but well i'm I go to, i'm in milwaukee i go to uw um and I'm a major collector uh, slash fanatic of horror related media at this point. Uh, I have an Instagram where I attempt to show off a small portion of my collection, uh, DHR Hunter, Dustin Horror Hunter, uh, on Instagram. I am also a small time editor for uh, the Movies Galore blog, and I'm hoping to have my first movie review up relatively soon. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I also did. Uh, if you want a sample of my previous work, I did a I did an essay for the Reptile Report. Uh, it's called Herpetology Horror Show, and it appears pretty quick when you type it into the search engine. So, that should give you an idea of uh, what to expect when I start having reviews come out.
1: Cool. Uh, And uh, my name is David Streggy. I run uh, Movies Galore of Milwaukee, which is a blog as well as a crew. And uh, I also run Inside Movies Galore, where we talk about films from silent films to present day. We're just moving along uh, uh, relatively slowly. But uh, we will be getting to more uh, films as the year uh, progresses. And uh, 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 before the show, I did an interview with um, a director from uh, Michigan um uh called uh matthew J- uh, jasel who uh did, did did a few uh uh, f- uh films you can find his f- uh films at uh vid evil uh, uh on uh store envy so uh definitely check that interview out um and uh i'm also a small time producer uh where um I- i'm i'm working with a, li- a-, 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 a little bit a few projects coming out in the future correct mm-hmm. And then uh, also uh, keep a look out for Wrestle Massacre, which is coming out sometime this year. I don't know exactly when, but it's getting closer to that time period. So uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, that will come out eventually this summer. Um, And uh, keep uh, uh, posted for uh, whatever other interviews or uh, films that we have on our to-do list. So uh, in any case, everyone say goodnight. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Subscribe. <laughs>
0: Little Nero, sir, I have your pizza? Leave it on that doorstep
3: and get the hell out of here.
0: Okay. Um, well what about the money? What money? Well you have to pay for your pizza, sir.
1: Matter of fact.
0: How much do I owe you? Uh that'll be eleven eighty, sir.
5: Keep the change, you filthy animal. Cheapskate. Hey, I'm gonna give you to the counter ten to get your ugly, yellow, no good keister off my property before I pump your guts full of lead.
4: One,
3: two, ten. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Cheese pizza, just for me.